Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hi, I'm Max Porterfield. I'm president and CEO of Callan X Mines. We're a Canadian-based exploration company focused on the discovery and development of base and precious metals-rich VMS deposits in close proximity to infrastructure in these Canadian mining jurisdictions. We've got emerging discoveries across the portfolio, namely the Rainbow Discovery at or Pine Bay Project in Flin Flon, Manitoba, and Silver's Discoveries near Surface under Nash Creek Deposit in New Brunswick. How you doing? Been a while. When did we see you? Back in middle of March? Yeah, March I think it was, yeah. So how have you been keeping? How, how's life? Because you've moved up to Canada now, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I, I was back in uh, a home, uh, home here in Canada, so it's been nice. Kind of skipped COVID for a large part, but um, excited to be back in Vancouver where things are a bit more normalized now than they were before. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, look, I just wanted to catch up with you because we continue to see these kind of exceptional copper, high-grade copper uh, results come from the the drilling that you're uh, doing. So I just wanted to talk about what you're focused on, really, because I think the last time we spoke, you just raised some money and you're going to get out there and do do the drilling. So um, do you want to give us an update on on the projects? Um, and then we're sort of, what I'm keen to talk about is what do you do next? So what's been happening since we spoke? Yeah, absolutely. So since we raised that capital and when we spoke last, we've been consistent with the two drill rigs to delineate the rainbow deposit, which we made last August uh, at our Pine Bay project, which is located just about a 20 minute drive from Flin Flon. So since that time, you know, that's part of a broader 30,000 meter drilling campaign. We've announced results of almost 12,000 meters of that campaign. So we've got a long way to go there. And the focus of that has been to delineate uh, that discovery uh, when we had made that discovery up until uh, the drilling up until in the last year, we had delineated the resource of the deposit up to the 600 meter level underground uh, after making the discovery at 900 meters vertical depth. Since that time, we've delineated mineralization up to 300 meters vertical depth. So we've shown that the mineralization is much more shallow. And a lot of the, the holes in the step out drilling that we're showing is showing that the grades are truly unique. Uh, and, and it's really stand apart from a lot of discoveries out there around the world in particular for, you know, these have a high grade copper discoveries outside of Central Africa. So again, uh, we're in the right zip code, we're hitting exceptionally high grade copper. Uh, and then the most recent update, we actually showed the pinching and swelling that's indicative of these VMS systems. On average, they're between 48 meters wide. And the last two holes that we put out, one was 67 meters wide. And uh, the, the second one was 20 meters wide. And, and again, when you get those type of widths, so these type of you know, high grade mineralization, you can build tons so much faster. Uh, and that's really what the path we're on is to continue to, to delineate the rainbow, see how big it is, grow the deposit size, uh, and do that systematically as we also explore down the plunge land and carry it up, uh, you know, up to surfaces and see what the extent of that is. So that's the real focus for us. That's where the primary focus of, you know, all the capital we've raised is going to be deployed at. In addition to that, we will test targets along strike. We are generating targets uh, on the rainbow horizon. Uh, we completed an IP survey that we haven't gotten results back from, but that's going to cover, you know, in total over, you know, six, seven kilometers of strike extent um, from north of the Rainbow Discovery uh, to all the way down along strike to the south of our sourdough deposit, which is a historic resource on the property. So again, we're very, very excited about where we are and obviously very, very much more excited about where we're headed. Okay, so just before we get on to like New Brunswick, um, Bathurst, <laughs> The grades are exceptional. We're, we're talking like 14.94% 14, 
copper over, you know, five meters. Yeah, you know, talking, you know, 2.6 over 20 meters. These are good grades by, by any measure. But the market's not giving you that recognition yet. So you, you kind of, I think, maybe touched upon it when you're saying you're going to be working on delineating the package. You're going to be looking to try and show that scale. So how do you move forward and start showing that scale? Because you're showing a certain type of, of, of copper uh, profile at the moment. And people are going, well, that's that's kind of interesting. But so what, right? So what do you do? You keep drilling. I mean, I think you, you keep doing what got us in the position that we're in today. And that's drilling the holes and showing the world what it is. I mean, this business is inherently is about de-risking. And we walked onto a property that you'd say it had an inherently no value. If you look at, uh, you know, based on historical drilling and, and what was there, I mean, there is a million tons of historic of roughly 3% copper. Or so at the Pine Bay deposit, um, and, you know, there was over 700, 800 drills on the property. Um, but we went in there, we looked, took it a new approach and we hit a discovery. And now it's about de-risking that and showing the size and the potential of, of the property. And that's what we're on to. So we're not going to change what we're doing. Uh, if anything, we have more conviction to stick with what we're doing because it's gotten to where we are. And uh, ultimately, we're going to have to need to show size like anything else, but that comes in time. And as we show the size and scale and we de-risk the asset and really let the product shine, ultimately, we'll get a big revaluation for equity shareholders for sure. That's yeah, the ultimate outcome. Well, it's kind of interesting, obviously, you know, the bashing metals, thematic, you know, he heating up. Um, I think if we listen to Ivan Glassenberg the other day, he said he's not quite sure where the next big copper discovery comes from because there's, it's, it's typically indicates of, you know, large capex investment needed. People aren't putting money into it. Um, so in terms of, you know, you're in the right space. How, how do you think you've got to play this? How do you think you play a copper play in this market? Are you the guys to take this forward and, and, and keep building it out? Or do you just work it to a certain point and say, well, let's get some of the big boys involved at some point? And, you know, yeah, no, certainly. I think I'm not going to be the guy that's going to be here in 30 years in a mine the deposit that we discover type of scenario. Um, I mean, obviously, there's different aspects to this business. The one where you get the biggest upside in terms of returns and the exploration, and that's in nature who I am, and that's in nature who the team is as well. And that's what we're good at. So we're going to continue to stick with what we're good at. And then ultimately, I think from our standpoint, I think divesting, uh, being acquired or doing a deal uh, with a larger partner is the most suitable outcome for our shareholders in doing so, you know, and further on into this very, very healthy copper market, because at the end of the day, you kind of nailed it on the head. You've got to replenish your, your, your resources somehow. And the easiest way to do it is to, to acquire it. But there's so few of these discoveries, as we noted. If you look at BHP, for example, they just moved their global exploration headquarters to Toronto. South 32 just moved their corporate development headquarters to Vancouver. So certainly the big boys are moving to closer around like physically where they want to keep an eye on things. Uh, and again, I think Canada and North America in general is going to shine uh, as we kind of shift away uh, from the hydrocarbons and need to replace that with the base metals. Certainly copper is going to be a big winner and we want to be a part of that. I mean, are you, are you getting caught up in any of this Newfoundland uh, fervor? There's a lot of froth in Newfoundland at the moment. A lot of people getting very excited about various projects in Newfoundland. In fact, there are projects being dusted off and, and uh, wheeled out in front of the public. But are you, have you had you know, I, about I, I, that? You're seeing, seeing that in many different areas. I mean, now there's in New Brunswick, I've gotten 
asked about other companies that now are looking for silver in the Brett Rylates. That's not been something that historically people have looked for in New Brunswick. And so it's very exciting to see that take place. I think it's very good for the provinces. It's good to have the attention out there. Does it, um, you know, get the attention brought into these different areas? Does it take away from, I think, from the, probably the stronger companies within that? You could say that, but ultimately I think, you know, the, the capital needs to flow into these economies to create jobs is very, very good. Obviously, in, uh, sometimes the deployment of capital uh, maybe is not been done by the best people running the best business and they're just showing up or what have you. But ultimately, I think it's good for the sector. It's good for the companies operating in different areas. And it's good for the communities that we're operating in. You know, I'd like to see some more of that in, in Manitoba, quite frankly, because these communities definitely need that attention and they need your money spent. And, and I really do believe the natural resources are going to play a big part of these remote communities for the foreseeable future, just like they have been in the past. Um, so I, I like it. In terms of the excitement, I don't get too wound up in it, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of my, really my only sole focus is Calinex. Uh, and I wake up, I go to sleep, I think about the same thing. I do hear about that, this stuff, but I'm, I'm largely not really aware of it because I, I'm focused on what we're doing and not what everyone else is up to. But have you been approached by anyone about your Newfoundland assets? It seems to be everyone wants to get the hand yeah, of so something. In Newfoundland, yeah, yeah in, in Newfoundland, we've got a historic resource. Uh, it's 14.1 million tons historic, almost, it's over a gram per ton gold, uh, runs 0.4 copper, almost, you know, I think one nine zinc. So it's truly a gold, copper, zinc resource. It was owned by Naranda for over 30 some odd years. They discovered it. They divested it, you know, at, when gold prices were $200 an ounce. We picked it up from New Market when they had uh, gone to Australia very successfully, it ultimately led to their acquisition by Kirkland Lake and acquired it from them. And it really, it was within the portfolio and hadn't paid much attention to it because we had a big discovery of the whole at the time when we acquired a new run in Manitoba. And then we had all the success in New Brunswick. Uh, but what we have there is, is a, a resource. And when we reviewed the historic resource, we saw some deficiencies, namely that, you know, we believe that it should really be looked at as an open pitable resource uh, because of how close to surface the mineralization sits. Uh, whereas this model historically is an underground resource. And that translates to a, a different cutoff grade, right? Because it's much more costly to have an underground mining operation than an open pitable operation. So that as like kind of really the, the focal point of the, the portfolio being a sizable historic resource, we're looking to update that with the reassaying of historic core. In addition, just like you've seen us do in Manitoba growing the portfolio, um, more importantly in terms of growing the portfolio, we've done it in New Brunswick with having nothing going in, acquiring Nash Creek, staking. We'd have done the same thing in, at Point Leamington based on historic uh, airborne data that we have. The targets sit within the, the Fel 6 uh, in a very good location, and they've, they've never been drilled. So for very, very low costs, with the assay of the historic core, updating the resource, taking, I think, a more appropriate look uh, at the resource with that updated resource that we're doing, in tandem with regional exploration targeting, which I think we're, we're quite good at, and we've shown that we can stake, and we can stake, and this is something we've staked a long time ago. It's not like we've rushed to recently stake this. Um, and then you know, be able to develop those targets and then either test them ourselves at some point in the future or bring in a partner to test those. Uh, I think we're going to be able to do so at a, a much firmer base and a much stronger base than a lot of other companies that are starting off in their region. Well, that's, that's what interests me about it because we've, we've had companies come and talk to us who've got less than you've got in Newfoundland, but because of the excitement across various Newfoundland projects, 
um, they're going, they're able to go and raise, you know, a lot of money, and their their market caps, their valuations are meaningful. You know, they're 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 comparable to you just based based on you know historic, not a lot of historic data, and they're they're going to change yeah, the you know, world, right? So, that, I look at it as a short term phenomenon, and I'm looking for long term results. That's the reality of the situation. You look at what happened in the zinc space. We were early movers in the zinc space. And then the next thing you know, you got 80 zinc companies. Of those 80 zinc companies that were in the zinc space, how many of them exist? Three. So again, I'm not too worried about that. Like I said, it's good for the communities because a lot of money gets spent and that money gets pushed into the communities. But again, is it going to create long-term value? No. And am I going to get upset and jealous or whatever because some company on a new structure or wherever its place is, is having a valuation that's greater than ours? No, because I know that's a short-term outlook and I'm here for the long-term because long-term is ultimately what counts because from my perspective, being a large shareholder of the company, my exit is when I create long-term value. So to be caught up in a, in a short-term phenomenon and a marketing ploy and a scheme based on a hot area, it's good again uh, for different reasons, uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about it. For, for sure. Okay. Which, which, so leads me to the question is, right, you raised this, Eight million, eight point eight million bucks um, back in I think it's February-ish. Um, this the, the Flinflon region is kind of core focus for you, and, and again we, we'll we'll talk about New Brunswick in a second. Um, yeah. How do you spend that money to attract people? I mean, how much more money will you need to spend in this region to get to the point where you think, well, maybe now is the time to start start speaking to other people? Because I know your exploration guys, you you get at it. You know, the results prove that you you know what you're doing. So me as an investor, am I looking going, well, there'll be more dilution coming down the road because they're going to need to raise more money to kind of, you know, prove prove up what their thesis is. And, you know, how far are you, do you take this? That's what I'm, I'm just trying to in, in, intrigue because I know you're going to say we'll, we'll create value through the drill bit, but how much more dilution am I expecting? I mean, I think we've done an excellent job in terms of managing dilution. If you look at the $8.88 million we raised and the way we structured that, uh, we were able to limit dilution for the shareholder base. I mean, I speak as a shareholder, a very large shareholder of Calinex, and I do run the company as if it's solely owned by myself. And, and so when I look at raising capital, I do so in the best interest of all shareholders, and we look to limit the dilution to that. I think if you look at how much capital we raised and the valuations we raised historically, uh, we've done an excellent job at managing dilution. And again, I don't think that dilution is, is part of the business. Um, and we have mechanisms in place like the charitable flow through it, financing where we can raise at a significant premium to market uh, and those type of things to get us where we need to go. Uh, but certainly uh, the, the, the treasure that we have is going to get us a long way to that goal. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, at some point, we're going to have to raise more capital. It's indicative of the business. And we'll just do so no one's most appropriate for the, the structure and where the products and assets are at the time. Okay. Let's let's talk let's let's talk about um, Bathurst and what's going on there. Because I know it's not core focus, but you are continuing to, you know, develop that or continue to work on that, I should say. Yeah, no, I mean we're very excited about New Brunswick. Uh in, in, in New Brunswick's a little bit of a different situation, but very similar in many ways. I mean, Nash Creek is a PEA stage asset that's you know in the money to today's zinc prices based upon the 2018 PEA. The base case on that was a dollar twenty-five zinc, and then since that time, we haven't really uh, uh, turned turned away from what we're up to and our objectives were at Nash Creek. Things shifted dramatically when we did a district scale IP survey and followed up. And there's a drilling out there, and that's when we hit the near surface silver mineralization. 
that'd be you know minimal to potentially an open pit operation, just like Nash Creek proper, Nash Creek deposit. And those are very widely spaced. We're talking almost seven kilometers from those two discovery holes. Since that time, we followed up and did a soil sampling campaign, which is very, very small budget. Uh, I think provide us a great vector for additional silver mobilization along that main controlling fault. And we announced that in January uh, of this past year. And now we're in the midst of uh, early stages, really, of, of a 4,000 meter drilling campaign in New Brunswick to follow up on that. And that's a, a very small campaign, really focused campaign to test 15 targets along that 10 kilometer trend that we covered with soils that encompasses those two silver discoveries. And that's an opportunity to test a, a thesis, very low cost, uh, that can have a big impact on the future operations uh, at Nash Creek uh, and on a path to potentially build a significant near surface silver resource. And I think this also comes at a very good timing uh, kind of over the metal markets as well. So, I mean, again, I, I, I just, I'm intrigued about how you, how you approach these things. So small companies have, Different sets of problems from big companies, right? So you've you've got, I guess you've you've, you've de-risked the commodity risk because you're looking at different types of different types of commodities there. So there's something in that, and there are different projects in, in different parts of of Canada. But how long can you keep doing that for as a small company, or will you need to, you know, say perhaps we do need to bring in a or farm out or bring a partner in for one or more of because you know we, we've you know we've got you've got a few you've got the um, Oh God! Uh, you've got Newfoundland as well uh, in the background somewhere as well. So, in terms of yeah, sure. creating cash uh, or crash events for yourselves, I mean, how how are these pieces moving around the table at the moment, or in your or in? Well, your I mind? mean, I think I think the big thing is to look at the context of what is the spend, right? So, I, I know that when you look at it, something you've seen a company very active in multiple areas, you think big spend, big spend, and certainly it's going to be more expensive drilling, doing the deep drilling in Manitoba. But that's, again, where we budgeted 95% of the capital spent. In New Brunswick, we're talking, you know, less than half a million dollars to test a 10-kilometer trend with the potential to, again, de-risk and create a lot of value and a path uh, to, to build a large resource out there. Uh, in terms of budgeting, that's kind of what we're looking at. And in terms of Newfoundland, it's really a, a um, you know, a sampling of historic core, updated resource for Point Leamington, and then very cost-effectively de-risking uh, targets that we've already generated. So there's no big spends. So that's the way we look at it is really, there's never been a hole that the company's ever needed to drill in the six years that I've been here that we weren't able to drill because we couldn't afford to drill it. There wasn't ability to budget to drill it. And so that's never a mindset that I've ever had uh, running the company and, and that's never been an issue for us. And I think largely maybe because that was the mindset we never had, that would be an issue. But again, it's about managing budgets like anything else. And what is the upside to when you deploy the capital? It's very, very systematic exploration to provide big upside in a, a better understanding on what we're dealing with without, you know, spending the entire treasury on something that doesn't have long-term value uh, that could, you know, maybe turn short-term news results, but doesn't drive long-term value. Um, and, and again, I think that's indicative of everything that we do as a business. So, so it kind of feels like like slow and steady as she goes, right? That, that's what it feels like. And and I get 90% or so of your budget's being spent on the copper. It's, thematically, it seems right. Um, is Are there any assay results outstanding or should we be expecting more information in the market anytime soon? Yeah, so we do have assay results that are, really, I guess, pending anytime we're drilling. So we've been drilling consistently 
uh, with a short break over winter for a very, very long time. So, you know, one thing about Kalanix is we're never going to be short on news flow. Uh, so certainly there are assay results pending. And as we continue to drill this out, uh, there's going to be continuous news results for, you know, months ahead. And I do believe we're going to be drilling in where we're at, both in Manitoba and New Brunswick for a very long time. Uh, so to that end, you know, there's definitely news results. There's definitely drilling that hasn't been asset set uh, reported to the market. Uh, and there is, a, you know, obviously a, a lag to when you drill a hole, processing it, and, and the lag seems to be increasing in terms of the assays right now at the given moment. We've been very, very fortunate not to have delays others have had, um, but that's just part of the process. And then in, in New Brunswick, you know, we very early in the campaign, it's a, a much a shorter drilling in terms of the drill holes are, or 250 meter drill holes instead of, you know, these deeper holes that we have at, at the rainbow. Um, so that campaign we plan on wrapping up pretty quick and, and that'll also be pending uh, to the market. So again, steady news flow of uh, unreleased, result, unreleased results is going to be really constant throughout the year. Okay. And so, and so far you're finding that the, the drilling has delivered what you expected, but the reaction from the market is, I say slightly muted to that. So, what do you think it's going to take for people to start paying attention? You know, you're existing, you're, you've got some reasonable sized shareholders in there. I mean, what's the feedback from them? Are they are they frustrated um, by the, the the reaction in the marketplace? Um, what are they asking you to do that's different? Well, I mean, I think that in terms of shareholders, they've all been very very supportive, um, and, and that's really I mean, you couldn't ask for anything more in terms of shareholder base through the, the whole whole. Situation and the experience of running Calinex, even going back to when the company had tough times, the existing shareholders are very supportive and never really questioned the process or what was going on. And then the new shareholders that have come on more recently in the recent financing see the results and are quite pleased with that and have really indicated just to, to keep delivering what we're delivering and ultimately that'll prevail and value be created as we, we execute with the drill bit. Uh, so, again, in, in terms of support, I, I couldn't ask for any more support than what we've had. And in terms of what's going to take it over the top, you know, I, you know, there's always like a tipping point in anything, and there will be a tipping point um, in, in the Kalanick story. I mean, there was a tipping point when we were at a dollar a share and didn't seem to get traction, and then immediately we had a revaluation on silver to three. And so right now we've, we've done a lot of drilling. We've got a lot of people's attention. I can tell you that from the inbounds, from very unique places. And the more we put out and the more people see that are new to the story, the more conviction they will have. And I think that will in itself you know, become like a self-fulfilling situation on its own. Okay, Max. So, you know, sound, so it sounds like just drill, 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 expect more results between now and Christmas, and then you what, reassess the situation. What, what, what happens at the end of this year? We keep doing what we did that led us to success in this year into the next year. I don't look at things on a calendar basis. Uh, I mean, everybody, I guess, in measurement of time, look on, on, on a calendar basis. You know, I, I, I get it, the concept. But when I measure where's Kalanex and where's Kalanex going going to be, it's it's a constant. It's in the present moment. We're presently drilling, and that present moment and the future will be present when we get there. So we're not going to change what we're going to do. Looking forward, though, uh, you know we are going to look to expand the targeting on the, the horizon at Rainbow. I'm excited to see results for the silver drilling in New Brunswick, and then as we bring uh, Point Leamington to the fold at a time where I get a lot, I'm getting a lot of calls on Point Leamington. In fact. Funny enough, I had some shareholders that invested in the most recent round of financing, their favorite assets, Point Leamington. So, uh, again, I think that's really indicative of how unique Calinex is from a portfolio construction standpoint and operational standpoint. Um, and, you know, not going to change much to that end. 
Max, thanks very much for coming and giving us an update. Uh, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on with uh, the job program. Um, the, the results have been uh, extraordinary. Well done. Thank you. I really appreciate it and look forward to doing that in the future. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.